Welcome to the latest podcast from Greyfriars Church in Reading. Our vision is to see Reading transformed by the love and power of Jesus. You can find out more on our website, greyfriars.org.uk. Enjoy. Morning, everyone. How are we all doing? Excellent. Someone said excellent. Great. Thanks, Wes. Um, Right, well, this morning uh, we're going to be kind of going over some of the Easter story. David said, Dan, you can preach on whatever you want. I'm not there. Uh, Go and do whatever you like. So I thought I'd repurpose a youth talk um, and make it a bit more fun this morning. And uh, we're just going to go through some of the Easter story. Um, So uh, what I'd love you to do just to begin with is just chat to the person next to you and tell them what your title is. Like, are you a mister, a missus, a miss, a doctor, a sir, a dame? You know, all of those things. Just, just for like 30 seconds, what's the set up? Wonderful. That's great. Thank you. Um, you can tell quite a lot about a person sometimes by their title, can't you? Like, I was really disappointed uh, when I changed from a master to a mister. Who here wishes they were a master? <laughs> That'd be cool. Uh, my sister is a miss because she's never married. My stepmom is a missus because she married my dad. My uh, mum is a muz. So that like, you can tell like, how, what people are like. Uh, some of you here will be doctors, but some of you will be medical doctors and others will be different types of doctors. And you might have some really smart people who are professors here. Um, we haven't really, I don't know if we've got any reverends here this morning. Some people, yes. Oh yeah, Nick, you're here. Wonderful. Um, We've got someone to keep us in order. Uh, That's good. Um, In a few weeks, we'll have His Royal Highness going for his coronation, and that's quite a title, isn't it? Um, I used to sit next to Pete Wilmot. Um, Many of you will know him. He used to be worship pastor here. Um, I used to sit next to him in in the office, and he set it up. Uh, on his new wine account, so that every correspondence he ever got from new wine, they addressed him as Flight Commander Pete Wilmot, <laughs> which was amazing. You just get these letters through, Flight Commander Pete Wilmot. Um, it was just like so great to get those letters. Um, so, and when we think about titles, I wonder what you think Jesus' title is. What is the title of Jesus? Because we had it in this passage, because Jesus' title is Christ. Some people might think that's his surname. It's not. Their names didn't work like that. His name, his, his name was Jesus Christ because his title was Christ. Now Christ is just, we're going to get a little bit, little bit geeky this morning, a little bit nerdy. We're going to dive into the Old Testament a little bit. Um, but Christ is just the Greek spelling of the Hebrew word Messiah. So they're the same thing. Okay, and so when you think of Jesus Messiah, you think of Jesus Christ, it's his title, it's what he's known as, 
It's the title that was given to him. And all it means, really simply, is anointed one. One who is anointed. So that's kind of, it's, it's, it's almost that simple, that Jesus, the anointed one. That's what his title is. Not flight commander, but anointed one. Um, and in our passage, we see Caiaphas, the high priest, he says, are you the Messiah? Are you the Christ? And that's why on the screen it was different to what was being read, because they had the same word. Are you the Messiah, the son of the blessed one? To which Jesus replies, I am. And so he's taking that title for himself. And so this morning, we're just going to go on a, a, a relatively brief kind of journey through what it means for Jesus to be Christ, for what it means for Jesus to be Messiah, or to, for Jesus to be the anointed one. So we're going to kind of have an overview of some of the Old Testament stuff and what anointed one, what they thought a Christ was, who they were waiting for, what a, what a Christ was in their in their culture, and then what that means for us today. Um, and so we're going to look at kind of the identity of Jesus and his mission and his ministry. So what he got up to and who he is. And uh, I, I do ask as well that you forgive me a little bit because it is slightly more complex than I'm going to make it. But we only have 20 minutes rather than four hours. So, um, to, so you get home for that lunch that Alyssa's talking about. Uh, we're going to just simplify it slightly, but I'll let you know where I simplify it so that you can go away and do some of your own research if you want to. So the first thing is that um, a Messiah, the whole of the Old Testament is a waiting game, waiting for the Messiah. They're waiting for the one, for the anointed one, for the, for the anointed one of God who will come and rescue the, his people. He will come and restore order and bring a new kingdom. And so to truly understand what this word Messiah means, we're going to just, we need to track this idea of this Messiah that they were waiting for. Who is that? What did Messiahs do? What were they expecting of a Messiah? And what kind of role would they do? But to take it back another step, we're going to think about what anointing is. Um, over the last few weeks here at Greyfriars, David's just got the oils out, hasn't he? He's loved it. Um, and he's been anointing people all the time. He's like, come forward. And the whole church just stands up and gets anointed. David's just loved it recently. Um, and there's this sense that being anointed is to be set apart for a specific role or job or office or title. To be set apart. And in the Old Testament, when they would anoint people, it wasn't like, oh, like David did a few weeks ago, like, or every week for the last few weeks, it's uh, actually everyone come forward. When they anointed people, it was specific people for specific jobs. Um, and they wouldn't anoint hands, they would anoint the head. Um, and that's, it was just their way of putting oil on people um, to set them apart for a specific job, a specific role in the people of God. Um, and so... The next question, I guess, is who is it that gets anointed? Who is it? What roles do we, do we play here? And there's two main groups. I'll deal with the third one in a minute, and that's where it gets slightly complex. But we'll deal with the two main groups first um, who get anointed. And now I've got some helpers with me today. So Ellen, why don't you come up first? Um, Ellen's here. Uh, can we give her a round of applause? It's nice to encourage people. Ellen, come and take your seat. Thank you very much. Um, the first main group that is going to be represented by Ellen here today is the priests, okay? So uh, in the Jewish culture, um, priests were anointed and set apart for their role 
uh, in the temple and at the tabernacle. And so they went through, so the first high priest was Aaron, so Moses' brother, and he was anointed, and he would go forward, and he would offer these sacrifices, and he would do everything that a priest would do. The priests were the ones who were anointed by having oil on their head uh, to set them apart for their job to minister to God's people and to minister to God. Um, and even the guy who is questioning Jesus, Caiaphas, the high priest, he was, he was anointed, he would have been through this whole ceremony, this whole process, because he was the high priest, so he definitely would have been anointed with oil at some point. Um, they often kind of wore different clothes as well to set them apart. And you'll see that the same is true of the next group as well, that these different clothes would set them apart. And so, Ellen, uh, we've, we've uh, set you up with this. You're ready for this, aren't you? So, you came prepared. So Ellen, if you want to just remove your hoodie, that'd be really great. Um, and because Ellen's got some clothes on that set her aside as a priest today, haven't you? So it's really exciting. Um, so we don't need Nick here today. Good to see you though, because we've got our very own <laughs> priest. <laughs> um, so we've got Ellen's, Ellen's going to represent our priests over this side. And then our second group of people who were anointed, who were like messiahs, if you like, who were set apart, were kings. So, Isabella, why don't you come forward? Um, kings were the people who would rule over. Oh, yes, yes, sorry. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah, take a seat, Isabella. We're giving you a round of applause. I forgot. Yeah, they're really good people. <laughs> um, the kings were the people who would uh, rule over the nation, who would... Um, be in charge of everything. It started with Samuel anointing King Saul. And then he anointed David and then Solomon. And then all of the kings that followed were anointed by, with oil. So they became anointed ones. And so they were set apart by God for this role of king to rule over them. And some of these kings were anointed uh, when they came to power during their kind of coronation, during their ceremony. And some of these kings were, were anointed uh, secretly before they came into power, like King David. Um, and if you know that story, then David gets anointed before Saul has even stopped being king. And so you get this sense that actually the kings are set apart. Oh, I've got, a, I've got something for you so that we know that you're a king. Wear your crown. There we go. That is excellent. Um, so you've got two groups of people who were anointed. All of this is going to lead us to Jesus in a minute, I promise. Um, you've got the priests who would work in the temple and at the tabernacle, and they would uh, be anointed and set apart by God for their work. And then you had the kings and those who were ruled with authority, and they were set apart by anointing. Um, there was a third group, and I'm just going to really briefly, um, we're not going to have anyone represent it. It's where it gets a bit confusing. Uh, a third group of people who might have been anointed, um, and that is the prophets. We hear of it once, where Elijah is told to anoint Elisha, but we never know if it actually happens. He's just told to go and anoint Elisha. So that's there for completeness. Now you know the whole story. It might have happened with other prophets, but we're not told. Um, so we're going to focus on these two for the time being. But in your head, if you want to go away and do a bit more research, you can think about the prophets and then bring that in as well um, to what we're thinking about. So we've thought about the the two job titles, if you like. Now we're going to think about their roles. What, what role did they play as the people of God? And the most important thing that we, that we need to know about these roles 
is that these two roles were representatives. They represented something. Because what happened with the priest was the priest's job was to represent the people to God. To stand in on their behalf before God and do what they couldn't do. To go to God on their behalf. And so to represent the people before God. And so they would often, as many of you will know, they had lots of things that they had to do. They had washing to keep themselves clean that they have to do. I mean, we should all do that anyway, but ritual washing. Um, They had um, sacrifices that they had to offer to atone for sin or to, as thanksgiving, they had, uh, they offered crops on behalf of the people, the first fruits of everything. And the priests would be there to make sure that all of that happened, that as the people wanted to come before a holy and pure God, the priests were there to make that happen, to stand in their place, to be the one who represents them before God because they couldn't do it themselves. They needed the priests to come forward and represent them. So to help illustrate that, we've got a lovely little lamb for you. Uh, Don't sacrifice it right yet, okay? Or at any point right now, okay? Um, Daniel wouldn't be happy. Um, So uh, we've got a little lamb because they would offer these sacrifices for the sin of the people. And actually, um, once a year, the most important day in the Jewish calendar was the Day of Atonement, where the high priest was able to enter into the most holy place. This is the dwelling place of God, where God lived, where his presence was felt more powerfully than anywhere else and they were able to enter in the one priest the high priest once a year to make a sacrifice to make an offering on behalf of the people and they would go behind this massive tall thick curtain that no one else could enter through and they just went through they offered this sacrifice on behalf of all of the people and then they would come out and and God would accept that sacrifice and they went into that place that was sacred And that was one of the most important jobs of the priest, and especially the high priest. The high priest was especially anointed for that job, to go into the presence of God, offer the sacrifice on behalf of all the people, and make it so that the people could be right with God. And so I haven't got quite a big, thick curtain for you, but um, here's some material that Thea gave us earlier. I don't know if you, there we go. You can just wear it on your lap and pretend, that's, that, that represents the curtain that they went behind. As they went, yeah, there we go. You own this. <laughs> so they went behind this curtain that no one else could do into the very presence of God on behalf of the people. Now the king's job was different. The king's job was almost the opposite of that. The king's job was, rep- was to represent God to the people so that the people knew what God was like. It didn't always work. They weren't very good at it. But the king's job was to rule and reign in the same way that God would. To say, this is our king and he represents the king in heaven. Um, and so they would have that kind of They would be able to make laws just as God makes laws. They would have authority over people. They would bring justice 
They'd be able to administer justice and make sure that the nation is running correctly, that it has the right values at its heart. Um, they would hopefully rule. The, the plan was that they would rule with mercy, with authority, and with great wisdom, just like God wanted to rule and did rule his nation. They were to rule from a throne. Even if you just think about where they sat, they sat on a throne above others in the same way that God rules from heaven above the rest of us. They would make decisions that would offer protection and safety to their people in the same way that God offered protection and safety to his people. And so the king's job was actually to represent God to the people so that the people knew what God was like. They were to be set apart so that, the, so that everyone knew what it was like to live in God's kingdom because they needed to know what the king was like to live in the kingdom. Um, and they also wore clothing that was a bit different. Um, to, again, to kind of illustrate the majesty of God. And so we've got a very purple royal robe for you, Isabella. I'm sure you can put that on yourself. There we go. Yep. So they would wear these amazing kind of robes and, and clothing that just meant that they were set apart, that displayed the majesty, the glory, the beauty of God through their clothing, through the way that they went about life, through the decisions that they made. They were meant to show us what it meant, what it was like to live under God's rule. So that when you looked at the king of the kingdom, you saw the true king in heaven. Now it's important to notice that both of these groups of people failed at various points. Some were better than others. Some did their jobs really well, but they still messed up. Some really messed up from the first day until the last day, and they got it totally wrong. Because priests would sometimes neglect their duty. They would follow idols. They'd go and make up new gods. They'd follow gods of other nations. They got it wrong sometimes. And kings became power hungry. And they ruled with self-interest at heart. And they oppressed people. And they got what they could. And so you get this image of two groups of anointed people where God's saying, I'm setting you apart for a specific job a specific role to serve my people and you're failing. And so that's why, as you can see, the Old Testament is just this waiting game for a Messiah, for an anointed one, for someone who's going to come along and do it properly, a perfect priest and a perfect king. And that is where we hit the story of Easter. That's where we get to Jesus where we've been thinking about this story of Easter for the last few weeks, about Christ, the Messiah, not anointed for just one of these roles, but anointed for both of them and able to do them perfectly. Because what Jesus does, and we're going to look at some of the details shortly, is he becomes our royal priest. Because none of these people in Jewish history, were royal priests. They did one or the other. You should definitely look up Melchizedek. Some of you should definitely look up that, but we haven't got time today. But Jesus becomes the royal priest who does both of these roles. And, and remember, I told you it was about representation. Because what Jesus did was he represented 
God, uh, the people to God. Through his life, death, and through his resurrection, Jesus represented the people before a holy and a pure God. He did what they couldn't do. And then at the same time, he ushered in a new kingdom. And he came as king and taught us what it was like to live in God's kingdom under a new rule, a new way of living. He, made, he, rep- he showed us what God was like. He represented God to us. He is the image of the invisible God. And when we think about the whole Easter story, you can actually see how these two roles just come together. How Jesus becomes our royal priest, our anointed one, our Messiah, our Christ. The whole of the Jewish nation was waiting for this anointed one, for this Messiah. The one who would not only save the Jews, but would go on to save the whole world. And so all we need to do is think about the roles that these two played and how Jesus fulfilled them. Because what happened was we had this lamb because the priests would offer sacrifices. But then what Jesus does on the cross is he offers himself as the sacrifice. Which is a bit crazy because he's the priest that's offering the sacrifice, but he is the sacrifice. And it will take you a little, bit, a little while to get your head around that. And the more you think about it, the weirder it becomes. But Jesus is the high priest who brings the sacrifice as he dies on the cross As he says, it is finished, it is paid in full. He offers the sacrifice for sin that we need him to offer. Because animals were not not good enough to, to pay for our sin. And so Jesus paid for it himself through his death on the cross. And then this curtain, as he died, this curtain that Ellen is wearing, it was it was torn in two. The moment that Jesus dies, this curtain in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Because it meant that God had said, like, you can come into my presence. I'm no longer restricted to the high priest once a year. The high priest has offered the sacrifice on the cross. The way is now open. The sacrifice has been made once and for all. Jesus represents us perfectly, coming into the presence of God offering the perfect sacrifice and making a way for us to know God, to making a way for us to be in relationship with a loving and a pure God. And then at the same time, in the same scenes, you've got a King Jesus who not only um, is kind of in all of this mayhem around him, there's a sign made for him that says King of the Jews. Where, he, where Pilate just says, I'm going to make, could you hold that? There we go. I'm going to make this sign. And Pilate doesn't really even know why he's doing it. If you read the story, they're like, why are you doing this? Oh, what I've done, I've done. I've got this sign that says, Jesus, King of the Jews. He's taking that role of King of the Jews. And he's taking that upon himself. The, the, the uh, soldiers, they dressed Jesus in a purple robe, the same color of royalty that a king would wear, and they struck him. Just like this robe here that a king would wear, they put it on Jesus and said, you're the king. 
And they keep accusing him of being the king of the Jews, not knowing that that's exactly what's happening. And then what also happens is they give him a a separate crown, don't they? I'm not going to put this on your head, Isabella. It might hurt. Um, But they give him a crown of his own, a crown of thorns, a crown of suffering. And if you put all of this together, you can see that you've got someone with a sign that precedes them saying, King of the Jews, a crown on his head and a purple robe that he's wearing of royalty. And at the same time, he's offering a sacrifice on behalf of all the people and tearing the curtain, making a way for everyone to access the presence of God. He's doing what they all wanted their messiahs to do in the past, but they all failed at. And he's doing both roles together. And if you really want to think about prophet, you can add that in and talk about how he's the word of God and how he comes and gives a new message. Jesus brings all of this together to be himself. Just his identity is Messiah, to be Christ, to be the anointed one, to be the one who is set apart as a representative between us and God, and God, and us, to show God, to make atonement for our sin, but then also to show us what God is like, to be our royal priest, to be the Messiah, to be the one that we need to represent us. And then the story doesn't finish there, does it? Because the resurrection shows us that Jesus is bringing in a new kingdom, a new kingdom, ruling over death over suffering, over sin, and bringing new life. As Jesus raises from the dead, he he says, come into my kingdom. Here's a new kingdom, a new way of life, a new rule. All authority on heaven and earth is given to him. Even, Even authority over death, over sin, over suffering. And he says, here's my kingdom of hope, of new life, of freedom. Jesus is the king who invites us into his kingdom. And so Jesus becomes this representative, this perfect representative, the anointed one, the Messiah, the Christ. And he represents God to us so that we know what God is like, so that we can know the rule of God in our lives. And he represents us to God because we're broken and hopeless people who need someone to make a way for us to get in relationship with God. And Jesus does that. And so he does it together. And each one of us needs Jesus to do these things for us. And you might be sat here today and you think, well, what what on earth has this got to do with me? I can tell you that I need a representative before God because I am unholy, I am impure, I make mistakes, I am sinful, I am broken. And I need someone, and that person is Jesus, to come before God and make me right with him because I can't do that on my own. I need a representative between me and God. And then I also need a new king because when I am left to my own devices and set up my own kingdoms, I mess it up real bad. And all you've got to do is look around at the world and the kingdoms that we've set up without God. 
and we mess them up. They bring brokenness, they bring hurt, they bring pain, they bring suffering. We need a Messiah, a Christ, an anointed one, set apart to do both of these things in our lives and in our world. And so there's no real like go home and read your Bible more. There's no like application, if you like, from this. Just hopefully a greater understanding of Jesus' identity. But then also, if you're anything like me, you need, you need a Messiah. You need someone and you want to say, yes, I need someone who's going to represent me before God. And I need God to represent himself to me, to show me what he's like and come and rule over me. And maybe as we leave from here, we can just pray and say, yes, Jesus, I need you. Yes, I need a Messiah. I need an anointed one who will come and represent. Represent me to God and God to me. Because we need a royal high priest who is going to represent us. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you that you are anointed, that you are our priest and our king, that you have made a way for us to know our holy, loving and pure God. And you also show us what that God is like. And we pray that today you would help us to live in your kingdom receiving your love and your grace in our hearts and in our lives. But willing to submit to your authority as king over all of the earth. Jesus, we praise you today in your holy name. Amen.